Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us here for the post-election day convocation. Uh, I invite you into this space today to um, be with us for the next uh, 35 or 40 minutes. So please put away your distractions. Uh, we have a panel of students and uh, here to share some thoughts, ideas, reflections with the hope of uh, finding some healing and some reconciliation after the election, uh, a way to unify and to find a way that we can come together around difference and to provide a space for conversation. The structure for today, I'll open with some initial thoughts uh, following the election and how we'll, we'll do the day here today. As I said, I have uh, with me a panel. We have uh, Jordan, Alma, and Ben, all Goshen College students who will be sharing some thoughts and reflections with you. Uh, we will then open the floor for some questions and comments, uh, recognizing that there will be difference of opinion. Uh, we have people here who are gonna be seeking some healing. There may be some fear. Uh, there may be some, some happiness uh, and some joy. So please uh, respect each other in your comments and your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. We're, we're not experts, but we'll, we will address what we can uh, here today. Uh, I also have some questions I can start the conversation with if we don't have much from the audience, but as we go through the time here this morning, I ask that you think about some ideas that you may want to share and, and be able to speak openly and to know that this is a, a safe and welcoming environment to, to share ideas because it is uh, gatherings like this that will help us move forward uh, with the outcomes of our elections and as a campus as we do embrace uh, diversity in thoughts and opinions. I will say I had a few comments prepared uh, based on the polling result, uh, the polls previously and then thinking about what we would say here this morning. And by about 11 or 11.30 last night, I realized I had to change my ideas. Um, the night started uh, in my house with a dinner conversation after we uh, said a prayer of thanksgiving over our food. Um, I turned and noticed that my seven-year-old daughter, Corinne, was in tears with nervousness of the election. Uh, she attends Chandler Elementary School just down the road here and has many friends who she said, Dad, are my friends going to be at school tomorrow, uh, depending on the outcome of the election? And trying to explain that and frame it uh, in the eyes of a seven-year-old and, and to make sense of it was a challenge as a parent, and we did the best we could. Uh, this morning when she woke up, uh, she asked a similar question, only to be followed up with, Dad, are we moving? Are we going to stay? So. These are things that, that we've, uh, in my house, have been wrestling with uh, through the wee hours of the morning, hours that I probably haven't seen since I was a student. Uh, so I come to you today maybe with some more questions than answers, and I think that's something that we all have to sort of uh, frame and, and hold for ourselves, that uh, there's not one clear path that we have to um, work together. Uh, this is a time that I hope we build community. Uh, we find trust and faith in each other. Uh, to recognize that we do come at this with uh, various viewpoints. And there, there are resources here on campus for those of you who are still uh, seeking answers. Uh, we have our residence life staff. We have counselors. Uh, our campus pastor, Bob Yoder, is here with us today. We have uh, trusted faculty members, uh, staff and administrators, coaches, and each other. So do lean on each other and, and engage in, in good dialogue. Another question that I had sort of asked myself in preparation of this uh, in thinking about the overall structure for today is, 
how can we find support, comfort, and healing in this time, and, and where do I find hope? I mentioned my family. I did find hope in, um, in my children this morning and in my family that they, um, they recognize that things may not have gone the way they had hoped or maybe where some of their friends were hoping, but we, um, we will move on. It is okay to feel uh, maybe a sense of disappointment. It's okay to feel uh, satisfied and happy if, if the outcomes went the way that you chose to vote. Um, we are also wrestling with maybe loss and a sense of grieving and, and to work through that process, but recognizing that ultimately we are a community of action. We are a campus that is committed to open dialogue, civic engagement, uh, social justice and activism. Uh, this is a time to take those ideas and put them into action. There are results nationally, statewide, and locally that impact all of us. You know, we have a chance to engage more with our communities, with each other, and to find outlets to take our ideas and to, to work positively to bring about change in policy and practice. We have this opportunity, again, to live into our faith, to live into the mission of Goshen College, and to continue to support one another uh, through these coming weeks, days, and months. With that, I will uh, now uh, turn to our student panel, and I'll invite uh, Jordan to join us here to, to share some comments, and then uh, Alma will come up and speak uh, to be followed by Ben. Good morning, my name is Jordan Weidlich. I'm a senior communications major from Stryker, Ohio. The votes have been counted and the results are in. Some people are shocked, others are terrified. And there are some that are satisfied with the outcome. And right now I don't know quite what to say. To be honest, I wrote much of this last night with the confidence that you, the United States wouldn't choose hate. But here we are, and if you take one thing away from what I say, I hope it's the need for love and support. On a slight bright side, these political ads full of hate can be replaced by Christmas ads full of cheer because who doesn't celebrate a holiday an entire two months beforehand? I know it's not that simple. This election is finally over after a grueling campaign, but we can't ignore all of the pain and anger that is brought to the forefront of our nation on both sides. And we can't just skip happily into Thanksgiving as much as we might want to eat a bunch of turkey and take a really long nap. Donald Trump was voted the President of the United States yesterday, and a lot of people are angry. I'll admit I'm a little angry, but there are some, of, some people who voted for him that are angry too. All of this anger isn't going anywhere. We can't just ignore it. As a nation, we have to admit that we don't get along and we can't play nice. If we can't handle agreeing on the color of Starbucks cups during the holiday season, how do we expect to work together on more serious issues like immigration? And isn't that our goal, to work together? It's my goal, at least. We need to compromise. Those on the winning side can't expect to assume control and expect those on the losing side to just follow whatever they say. Recent history would say, oh well, that's just politics. But if we try to go on like that, half of the nation will constantly be upset. And that's no way to operate a country. It's no way to function as humanity, really. Whether we agree on the issues or not, we have to accept the fact that there is a lot of unrest in the United States, on both political sides. And those feelings will not go away just because this election is finally over. And now we have to add legitimate fear by people who aren't cisgendered, white, and male. Our nation is a mess, but we have to be willing to put in the work. 
We have to be willing to put aside our strongly held convictions to have honest, raw conversations with every single person, regardless of their background or ours. We can't continue to block out those who disagree with us, refusing to acknowledge their perspectives. On a day like today, when it's extremely hard, we need to remember that we belong to each other. One of my favorite authors, Glennon Doyle Melton, brought this phrase to my attention a while ago and in a Facebook post the day before election, or yeah, before election day, she wrote, no matter what happens tomorrow, we still belong to each other. No matter what happened yesterday, we're in this together. This mess we've made of the United States is our mess to clean up. And we can only do that by loving each other, remembering that we belong to each other and having real conversations with one another. Vulnerable conversations are difficult, but that can't deter us from trying to fix our country. No matter who you voted for yesterday, here we are. Donald Trump is going to be our president. Years from now, do you want to have to say that the United, you let the United States spiral out of control because you couldn't have a civil conversation with someone who disagreed with you? I know I don't. Last night was a tipping point and all eyes are on how people will react. With the horror that has happened in the last year alone, the violence, the death, the hate, most people were expecting the worst. At least I was. But we can be better than that. We can refuse to respond to things we disagree with in a violent, hateful, or degrading manner. Most human beings are capable of kindness and compassion in some form, and we can't lose sight of that. When they projected the final electoral college votes last night, we as citizens of the United States had a new decision to make. What I saw on social media from my friends who supported Hillary was a lot of grief and lament, but I also saw a lot of love. Statuses from friends who were devastated by the outcome were still reaching out a hand into the darkness, offering support to one another in this dark time. I'll be honest, I was terrified last night. I felt sick, and I still kind of do. But I had to keep reminding myself that everything was going to be okay. Or at least I had to pretend it was, because here I am talking in convo about the hope we can find after the election. <laughs> so I took a few deep breaths. I walked away from the TV and I reread one of my favorite quotes. A single thread of hope is still a very powerful thing. I'm not sure where this quote is originally from, but it's striking and was exactly what I needed to hear. So I looked around for that single thread of hope. I found hope in the fact that this election has made everyone exhausted and tired. We can all finally agree on the fact that we're glad it's over. It shows that we as a nation don't actually enjoy arguing about everything. We want something better for ourselves and for the next generation. It provides a thread of hope that if maybe we all stopped yelling for a moment, we could hear the person beside us. We could see them as truly human and maybe we could find another perspective. I looked for some other hopeful signs, but to be honest, they were scarce last night. I felt utter disappointment radiating from the international community. They're scared too. But I clung to that single thread of hope. We've got work to do, and our country is more divided than ever. So I choose hope and love over fear and hate, because at the end of the night, a single thread of hope was still a very powerful thing. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Alma. I'm a senior interdisciplinary mayor here at Goshen. And, um, I'm from Mexico City. So uh, 
Watching the election day yesterday, I found myself um, just very worried about the outcome and very surprised because I never cared so much about a uh, U.S. election. Um, I, I tend to not care so much either by, about my, my country because I know that whatever people decide is not what they're gonna get as a president. So, but in here is is different. Uh, and just thinking about um, what will happen if um, either uh, Clinton or Trump will, will win, what will be the, the, the repercussion to to not just the U.S., but also uh, to other countries like my own. So, yeah, it's, it's a very scary um, result for me uh, as an immigrant and as a Mexican. Um, and, yeah, like, uh, immigration was, was a very popular topic in this election, I think. Um, and as we look back at uh, previous elections, especially Obama's, um, he was able to get a lot of the Latino vote because um, there was this hope that he, will, he was gonna do something for immigrants, especially for illegal immigrants. Um, and we saw huge numbers of, of immigrants being deported during his terms. So thinking about what will happen um, for this upcoming four years is, is pretty scary. Um, I'm not going to lie. And um, yeah, I, I have the privilege uh, to, to be in front of you and being able to, to talk about this, but um, there are other people, other immigrants who are constantly scared about um, being taken by the police, by uh, just by a simple uh, uh, mistake that they do, uh, being separated by their families. And I think that's important to always keep in mind when we, when we think about immigrants, and also to think that um, immigrants are not only Mexicans. There's a wide variety of immigrants that come to the U.S. to seek a better future. And what we hear in the media is simple. It's a simple single story that is a very dangerous. The single story is... Um, it's quite scary and, and can be disrespectful too. So, um, yeah, it's, I challenge everyone to, to think about immigration in a different way. Um, because most immigrants come here to seek, to seek a, better, a better life, that a better opportunities that we might not find in our country because of many different reasons. And 
um, when we come here, most of the times we face a lot of problems too. We face racism, oppression. Um, some, some of us have to work in factories where we are pretty much exploited. We are treated like, like worker slaves. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I just want to say that, um, that that you should challenge a single story um, and that know that as an immigrant uh, in maybe in a college campus like this one or in Goshen or in Elkar or whenever you encounter um, whenever you encounter an immigrant and just don't don't think about um, what you hear sometimes because most of the times that's not true. Um, also media and, and the, the whole Western idea has has been against immigrants for many, many decades. Um, even though we are all come from immigrants because um, Native Americans were the first ones to, to be here and this is their land. Um, if we want to think about it or not, that's the reality. Um, so I think at this moment, what we need is a lot of uh, self-care. And um, in my PJCS classes, we, we talk about a lot of this. And, and I think either if you, if you have taken a PJCS class or not, I think um, it is important to, to consider that self-care is, is vital right now in not just as U.S. citizens, but also as immigrants or as um, people of color. And this, this country is already divided by many, many things, um, by racial injustice, by uh, many social social issues that are happening, and I think it is it is time to 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 be very to to be willing to um, to take care of each other, to look farther than skin color, nationality or ethnicity, or even. Um, legal status, because the reality is that we are all living in this country. We are all um, having relations with one another. We are either neighbors, classmates, friends, even family. And it is important to consider that it's this, this is a difficult time, not just for the for the people who live here or for U.S. citizens, but for the rest of the world. As I was talking to my family back home yesterday, they were very scared, um, very scared for the outcome because we know that whatever happens here is gonna greatly affect 
Mexico, and many other countries. Um, they were telling me that our currency went up compared to the dollar, which is pretty bad for our country, for Mexico, because um, it affects our economy a lot. And that was only within one day when election was happening. Um, so it's a very scary moment. And I, again, I challenge everyone to, to not think about a single story, to take care of each, one, each another, um, and to think about what this means for not only for this country, but for the rest of the world. Thank you. My name is Benjamin Wiebe, and I'm a third year environmental science major. First of all, I have to clearly recognize that as a white, heterosexual, middle-class male, I cannot fully comprehend the implications of yesterday's election. Sure, oppression everywhere, or oppression anywhere is oppression everywhere, and if a brother or sister of mine is suffering, so too will I suffer. But still, I am not a Syrian refugee fleeing violence and terror in my homeland. I am not an immigrant from Mexico being deported, or a black person incarcerated, or a woman abused, or an LGBTQ person who is the target of a hate crime. I cannot fully understand all the ways that what happened yesterday affects groups that are already oppressed. If there's anything that I say today that reveals the way I'm blinded by my whiteness or my maleness or my straightness, um, or if you disagree with some, something else I say, please come talk to me. I've been asked to reflect on this election with regard to climate change um, and to try to convey a message of hope and reconciliation and healing. This hasn't been an easy um, task in the last 12 hours or so. Part of me is hesitant to find any kind of silver lining in fear that doing so would cause us to overlook the real, felt, on the ground, disastrous implications of a Trump presidency for people who are not white and male like me. Part of me still feels that way, and I think we have to take the time to mourn, to kind of lament in advance for what yesterday meant for the next four years. Um, but we also can't really afford to wallow in hopelessness. Um, we have to move forward. So I'll try to address a few ways how we can do that. Um, specifically with regard to climate change and environmental justice issues. Climate change was largely overlooked in the last part of this election, um, so I'll fill you in a little bit on what Trump believes and what he plans to do. He believes that climate change, or at least claims to believe that climate change um, was a hoax invented by the Chinese. He fully plans on with withdrawing the United States from the Paris Climate Agreement, which would essentially render it useless. Um, he would nix the EPA's Clean Power Plan, um, which promised emissions reductions in power plants across the nation. He will enthusiastically promote offshore drilling, coal mining, and fracking. It probably comes as little consolation that um, Hillary's presidency would not be a whole lot better for the climate either. Um, but I th think it's still good to know um, that the alternative would have been problematic. Perhaps most importantly, she supported NAFTA and the Trans-Pacific Partnership more recently. Um, NAFTA proved to wreak havoc on communities and ecosystems around the world, and the TPP um, is looking like it would be even more dangerous. Trump, ironically, is, as an isolationist, is against um, these free trade agreements, so I guess there's a little bit of hope there. Um, among 
Among other things, Hillary also supports fracking. She opposes a carbon tax and has failed to come out clearly against the Dakota Access Pipeline. And the list could go on. Yesterday, we were stripped of our ability to have any faith in the system as it currently stands, faith that might have survived if Hillary would have won. This, this election has been a weather vane that clearly shows us the brokenness of our system where a racist, misogynistic bigot like Trump can get elected. As Howard Zinn said, you cannot be neutral on a moving train, and you sure as hell cannot be neutral during a Trump presidency. If there is any silver lining in yesterday's election or yesterday's results, it is this. No one can afford the right to be complacent anymore. I think now there will be far fewer complacent white um, liberal people that are idle in political processes. In many ways, what is required of us, how we are to respond to climate change and environmental injustices, does not change. I think we all have a tendency to be distracted by the national election and forget that local grassroots efforts um, are where we can often have the most genuine, lasting change. I will highlight a few of those places that I think deserve our attention. First and foremost, we have to do all in our power to support the indigenous people and their allies standing up to protect water and land at Standing Rock in North Dakota. We have to be concerned for their immediate safety from police and the National Guard. And we must be concerned about the long-term long -term health of their waterways and their community. I had the privilege of being at Standing Rock um, last month, and I was amazed by how much profound wisdom and knowledge lives on in indigenous communities um, about how to live a good life on Earth and have a good presence. We'd be wise to listen to them and follow their lead in this time when we don't really know who else to follow. There are also important things that we should um, pay attention to on the local scene as well. We should be engaging Greencroft residents and Latino and Latina employees in the industrial parks south of campus to stop the use of carcinogenic compounds um, in the workplace, which then escape into the surrounding air. We should be bringing together landowners, low-income communities, and philanthropists to address hunger through sustainable agriculture, um, like what is happening at Seed to Feed in Elkhart. We should stand with the communities of color um, in South Chicago who are working to shut down BP's Whiting Refinery, which releases toxins that cause health impacts in their neighborhoods. The list could go on and on, but the crazy thing is, having Hillary in the Oval Office would not really have fixed any of these things, although she would have definitely made progress more possible. It is still largely up to grassroots movements. It's up to ourselves um, to make, um, to address these very important issues. I think now we have the motivation and impetus to do so. Our task is daunting, but I will try to leave a little hope. People around the country are becoming more and more willing to recognize that all of us require clean water, clean air, and healthy, nutritious food. Um, blacks, Latinos, and Latinas, indigenous people, all need clean water and clean air and so do white, uneducated, male Trump voters. In the opposition to the Dakota Access Pipeline, there has been an impressive coming together of indigenous people and traditionally conservative landowners and ranchers along the route, all of whom recognize the devastating impacts a pipeline would have on their land and their health. We should use this quite literal and tangible connection of environmental concerns to bridge the gap between very different people in this nation. Goshen College, the world needs more of a commitment from us now than it did last week. The world needs more aware, empathetic, and passionate young people to stand with the most vulnerable in society. If you find yourself more threatened or at risk today than you did yesterday, please take care of yourself and know that you're surrounded by a community that loves and values you. 
And if your privilege allows you to safely engage Trump voters, please go and help transform intolerance and hate into tolerance and understanding. Thank you. Well, thank you all for continuing to provide a great example of, of hope and openness in our communication. With that, we do have two microphones uh, set up here in the sanctuary. If you would like to come forward with a few comments or thoughts or questions for our group, we do have uh, five or six minutes to, to address some questions that, that you may have at this time. Hi, how's it going? My name is Clint Strobel. Are we doing full introductions? I'm a second year peace, justice, and conflict studies major from Newport News, Virginia. Um, my question is for, this is question time, right? My question is for Ben. Um, at the end of your speech, I guess, I definitely appreciate it. You said if you're a white uh, male, please go forth and, and spread the good word. Um, and so my question is, is in, in this age of intolerance, especially for race and other social issues like gender, um, and different things like that, sexual preference. Uh, and I don't mean to call you out, but that almost implies that a man like me isn't in a position to, to speak my truth. And so uh, that being said, I believe that there is a way for uh, minorities to be able to speak their truth, um, not just minorities in regards to race, but in other social identities as well, to have their voice be heard. And I think it is, it is definitely an obligation uh, for us as college students to learn how to do that, uh, speak the truth, as well as hear the truth from other people as well. So my question for you is, is, is how would you kind of approach the situation, um, understanding that uh, it, it's almost unfair for only white men to uh, approach Trump voters uh, and, and uh, in, in essence kind of represent us, the ones that actually feel the oppression. Do I stand up here? Thank you, Clinton. Yeah. That's an excellent question, and I don't necessarily have a great answer for it. Um, my intention in saying that we as white people should be um, some of the ones addressing these, these problems of intolerance and hate is because so often minority groups, um, blacks, Latino, um, whoever it be, are not often safe in those positions or do not feel comfortable. So yeah, but I am also not the person to say that um, communities of color should not engage in these conversations. Um, I think as white people, if there's a role for us to play in kind of facil facilitating this to provide for safe spaces for that conversation to occur, um, then I would love for us to be able to play that role. But does that, I don't know if that answers the question. Yes. Do you have a follow-up? Okay. Uh, not, not for, not for complication. Uh, we'll let's talk, talk later. later. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jose Chiquito. I'm a first year environmental science major, um, and this is more of a comment and it's a sort of an effort to spread awareness of the current situation that we're in. There are many on campus, many in Goshen, in the greater community, that 
are going through a very difficult situation. Our future is uncertain. Yesterday, the anxiety that came over some of us was too much. So much that we just shut it down, went to bed. I woke up this morning and I saw the results. To me, I don't know what that means. I can finish the semester, but what will happen next semester? What will happen to families? We have commuters, we have Latino students. I myself am undocumented. I have a two-year working permit, but what will that mean next year? Um, I'd just like for any of you who may be able to sympathize to show your support. Last night on social media, it was an overwhelming amount of support that I was able to get as I expressed my fear and concern for the, for the future of our country, for my future, for the future of my community. So just saying that you are here for us can be so much. But let's also take proactive, proactive steps in ensuring that there's a support system for undocumented students on campus. For those of us, for LGBTQ students who will need our help in going through some of the horrific situations that we're about to encounter. Just, those are my thoughts. Uh, good morning, my name is Steven Cranston. I'm a first year student, I major in music. Um, and I do have a question for basically the panel. Um, you know, today I, I woke up and I come from a conservative background, but I woke up with anxiety and really wondering, you know, what I did, I did not vote for Mr. Trump or Mrs. Clinton. I voted for a third party candidate, but I woke up wondering you know, what is going to happen to our country. Um, in one of my classes today, I've already seen, you know, people crying. I've seen other people are happy. Um, you know, it's great to hear from Jose. I've gotten to know him. And, uh, you know, these are all legitimate concerns, but I'm wondering, you know, it's, well, the panel seems pretty um, favored toward Mrs. Clinton, so I'm wondering, where can we have this conversation with actual, you know, Trump supporters to where we can actually get to uh, have both sides of the spectrum and uh, have, a, have a good conversation of understanding in a good environment rather than, you know, it may be uh, perhaps a Trump supporter and a couple Clinton supporters or a couple Trump supporters and a Clinton supporter just somewhere and it's, you feel like you know it's different. Where can we have this conversation as a campus and as a school um, to where we get to see the other side of things and we get to come to understanding because we need to heal as a country. So I, whoever wants to answer that. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is do we have a plan for an actual conversation?
I don't know that there's any plan as of now for an actual conversation, but I think that as students, we can organize that. Um, grassroots movements have worked before. And one thing I would say, um, in order to have a helpful conversation to heal as a country, we need to stop dividing it into Trump supporters and Clinton supporters. It doesn't matter who we voted for yesterday. The reality is that Donald Trump will be our president. And if we can't live with that, if we can't talk to the people who supported Trump, we can't move forward as a nation because obviously the majority did. Um, and so, like I said, the conversation that can physically take place is something that is up to us as students and we can organize that. But going into it, if we label people as Trump supporters or Clinton supporters, there's a big connotation that goes along with that. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too, saying, oh, this person voted for Trump and just kind of have, making these automatic assumptions. But if we want to truly heal, it doesn't matter who we voted for. And so, yeah. Also, I think it's important to, <clears throat> to find a safe space because even though I agree that it shouldn't matter for who we voted or whatever, now it, what we have is a reality that Trump is a president. Mm -hmm. But because so many things were said during this election that were so hurt, so, that hurt so many people that it is so important to find uh, a common safe space and to know how to be respectful. Because, like I said, many things were said that offended so many people, that um, disrespected, disrespected so many people that, is, that it, it becomes so important to have that. Thank you. Um, this is more like of a comment than a question, but I just wanna, I'm the daughter of two immigrants, and um, I just wanna tell you guys that today when you see someone crying like I'm about to do right now, um, please don't say it's okay, because it's really hard and it's not gonna be okay. As of this morning at 3 a.m., I realized that I don't have, I have a greater risk of waking up one morning next year and hearing that my parents are gone. I'm from the state of Texas, so my parents are really far away, and it just gets scarier and harder from now on. I don't think a lot of people realize that having these factors in your life and having this man run this country just makes it a lot more harder for us. Even if you were US born to immigrants, your life is just harder, you have less privilege or less rights than most people do. And I just really want to address that. If you see someone crying, you can say anything you want, but don't say it's going to be OK, because it's not. And it's a lot harder than most people think. Um, my name is Ryan Smith. I'm a senior business major. But I had a question, basically, for everyone who spoke. Um, I jotted down some quotes. Um, I jotted down that we chose hate when we chose Trump, that um, we can't block out those who disagree with us, and I completely agree with that. Thank you for saying that. 
but I also heard that um, people who voted in favor of Trump are un uneducated, and I also heard that they are intolerant and hateful, but we spent today's convocate, the chapel, I guess, being uh, not accepting. Um, so my question is, how can we expect people who disagree with the mass of our higher education system, um, people who disagree with the mass of just all parts of that, students, professors, everyone, if we just sit around and hate? I mean, how can we expect them to talk, to want to engage in dialogue? Um, because, you know, for someone to sit around in a classroom and the professor is in favor of Clinton and tends to bash Trump, you know, how can we expect them to want to talk after coming off of that? So I say, after today's convocation, how can we expect them to talk when they're not going to be accepted at all because they, they just have the stigma against them because of all the hate? I apologize if I demonized yet Trump voters in any way, and um, I, I definitely recognize that there are multiple reasons for voting for a candidate, and we very rarely have all of our values aligned with theirs. Um, so yeah, just hear that. Um, I definitely value yeah this dialogue, and I want it to happen in any way that it can. Um, so. I think, sorry, I'm not being <laughs> very expressive, but um, yeah, just know that pl please like bring these dialogues. We'll try to bring these dialogues and break down the barriers that divide us. I would also no pressure. Like I'm not expecting like a great answer or anything. I'm just, we're on the spot here. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I would just like to thank, Ryan, I would like to thank you for your question because I think so often, um, on this campus, a majority kind of rules. And you're right, it isn't helpful for a healthy dialogue. And I'm not saying I have an answer. Um, and I'm sorry if in any way, because I know, I mean, my family is conservative and I'm sure plenty of them voted for Trump, but at the end of the day, I still love them. And maybe I have to work through the fact that what I see in Trump isn't what they see in Trump. And so, you know, it, I don't know, do you have something else to say? Oh no. Okay. I'm just trying to look at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I guess just kind of dealing with that, maybe, maybe right now is not a helpful time for this conversation to take place between people. Maybe some need space for a few days and then we can come back and realize you know, no one has changed office. No, Trump won't be sworn in until January. And so we as a nation can refuse to accept this narrative that if you voted for Trump, you voted for hate. And yeah, I don't know, it's not super clear, but I think it's possible to have that conversation if we just kind of stop looking at each other by who we voted for and stop defining our country 
by one leader and realize that there's the potential for conversation and love to take place regardless. Yeah, I think you brought a good point and um, you're right. Sometimes uh, the majority wins and it is important to also look at and to have a conversation to those who we don't agree. Um, I think that um, I personally find it difficult sometimes, especially when <clears throat> it's about immigration or dealing with, with my country or something like that. But um, I think that that is a task for each of us. Um, as we do some self-healing, some self-care, is to have some conversations with people who we don't necessarily agree and um, learn from them, and they can also learn from us. I think that on campus, this can be done by clubs or have, you know, just intentional meetings or intentional uh, conversations that people from both sides can, can have a safe space to talk about those things. Thank you. Oh, if you can be real quick, we are just running yeah, out of time. Yeah, um, I have. Uh, first of all, my name is Terrorist Yazan Mikbel. It's because I'm a Palestinian Arab, brown Muslim, and in the new America, I hope that I won't be labeled as a terrorist. Uh, good morning, Americans, and I know how hard it is. Yesterday, I was studying for my college exam, that is now on Friday. Um, and I turned off all of my devices because I did not want to be distracted by uh, the craziness that was happening. But I woke up this morning at 4 a.m. to study, and then there I saw that Trump is the elected president in the United States. Until now, my heartbeats have gone, I don't know how many thousand beats per second. I, <laughs> basically, the sciences has been destroyed after Trump one, um, the first conversation I had with my mother was just take care, take off your beard, and if it's necessary, wear a cross. So this is how bad things are, I guess. And uh, as a Muslim and as an international student, I hope that the Goshen community would give us support, would give us love, and would do whatever it takes to stop anything bad from happening for your own safe people. Thank you. Well, again, thank you all for the, the thoughtful comments from the panel and the questions. Before we do adjourn, I'm going to invite uh, Campus Pastor Bob to close in prayer. Please know that this was just the beginning of a conversation, not the end. I think we started a good dialogue here. So take, take the words that we've heard today and carry them forward throughout your day. Bob. The planners of this convocation invited me to offer a prayer of, for healing, reconciliation, and hope. I said yes because, well, I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to say yes to such things. But honestly, I struggled with this over the past handful of days and delayed until yesterday to, to sit down and, and actually write. Yesterday morning, uh, a former Goshen College student and friend of mine, Jeffrey Moore, who graduated in 2013, posted a note on Facebook I appreciated his honest perspective and asked if I could share it here this morning, and he said yes. He wrote, and he wrote this yesterday morning. 
In 24 hours, when I wake up to go to work, this vitriolic campaign session, season will be finished. Someone will be president. A lot of people will be worked up with fear and anger, and plenty of people will be high on the fumes of victory. But to my great sadness, when I wake up tomorrow, it won't be over. The things that we have said in the last few months will not be unsaid. The wounds that we have opened will not be healed. The polarization in this nation will be starker than it ever has been. In the coming months and years, we need people who can start conversations in humility and admit to not have all the answers and be willing to learn from others. We need people who are willing to walk the hard road to forgiveness, not revenge. We need people who are eager to listen first and then speak out of kindness and not fear or anger. In 24 hours, long after I have cast my vote for leaders in this country, it will be my job to help lead this country towards peace, one step at a time. Who's with me? Let's pray. God, we come before you today as humble mortal beings. As a Goshen College community, we collectively have mixed emotions. Some of us are tired, some of us are elated, some of us are frustrated, some of us are relieved, some of us are angry, some of us could really care less. But we all come before you today as humble mortal beings. God, we implore you to guide us as members of this community in ways that make for peace, that make for understanding, that make for appreciation of others, particularly for those whom we disagree. Embolden us with courage to listen. Embolden us with patience to forgive. Embolden us with wisdom in expressing kind words and actions towards one another. God, we come before you today as humble mortal beings, but also as the community of Goshen College. Inspire each one of us to demonstrate love and to willfully be kind to all we encounter today, tomorrow, the next day, and the many next days. Inspire each one of us to spread hope to our friends, families, and communities beyond our campus. Open our eyes, our minds, and our hearts to truly see and understand how you see us and for those ways that make for peace. God, as humble mortal beings, guard our hearts and minds and bodies as we live into the days, weeks, and years ahead. We ask all these things in your holy name. Amen. Go in peace.